4K Bloodborne. And touching back on Sony's return policy. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square, a PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, Mr. Saul Bridges, bringing you guys lucky episode 166. 166. Uh, if this is your first time joining us, stick around until the end of the episode if you want to see where you can find us more uh, and be part of the community. But we like to start this show off the right and very simple way of, Saul, what have you been playing this week? What have you been up to? Barely nothing. The Barely tr- nothing. The, the trend that keeps on keeping on. One of those days, it's going to be an actual game called Barely Nothing, and you're going to play as a bear. It's going to be like that Naughty Bear game for PS3. Don't make you, don't make me remember that game. Um, that game was fun, actually. It was a a mess, but that was weirdly added to the fun. No, it wasn't <laughs> even a mess. It didn't have any fun. But, it was uh, glitchy, <laughs> but the glitches made it more funny. But yeah, this week I've played. Um, uh, Minecraft Dungeons with you and Sean, at least. I mean, not you and Sean, but you and Andrew for at least one day. But as I was talking about in Discord last Sunday, I've been having issues with my PlayStation 4. And for whatever reason, I get this weird, unstable lag that keeps happening, not only just in my menus, but in every single game. Yeah. And oh, So it's hit, it's hitting you on the UI level? On the UI level. So everything, like the best way I can describe it is that if I... And playing uh, Dark Souls Remastered, and I run forward. It it almost like it drops frames, but at the same time, it it's like my character goes back and then forward for a millisecond. And it does that if I spin the camera around. If I spin the camera around, it, it goes reverse back a second. It keeps on going. It's like a screen tear mixed with a frame rate drop or something. It's really weird. I've tried everything. I've rebuilt my database like three times. I've tried different HDMI cables. I've tried different HDMI ports on my TV. I've tried everything, and nothing is working. The only thing that I think is happening is that my hard drive is failing. If my hard drive is failing, I, I will know for sure by trying to play Destiny, um, because I have that on an external SSD, and then that way I'll know for certain. But Well, and even then, the downside is, like we talked about on the way up here, is it being an external game that doesn't have your OS on it, if it's an OS-level problem, it it'll still it still won't tell you anything yeah you know, and you still may have stutter because of the it's weird i mean it would be playing the game so it'd be interesting to see if you had stutter in the ui but no stutter in the game right or if the stutter's on the os level where even when it's pulling info from a game from a different drive that it still has to filter through the os oh it's it's on an os level so yeah. like I, it's it's either that the system is just becoming that much unstable or something is going on with it i hope I, it's not a graphics thing for you you know what i mean but it, i haven't had any kind of other I'm, artifacting or anything like that so yeah. um i don't know though uh so like yesterday because it, it it started happening on like friday so then yesterday I tried I tried everything again, didn't work. So then I downloaded um Super Hot and then redownloaded Skyrim on my Xbox One and I've been kinda just playing that. because um, I really don't have anything else to play. And I forget how crazy, absolutely crazy the mods are in comparison from Xbox to PS4. Yeah, you know, we keep talking about all the things we'd like to see out of PS5. I think one of the big things I hope is I was I was a little surprised to see that mods didn't come for more games outside of Bethesda 
really, this generation. Right. Um, I thought that once Bethesda kind of knocked that door down, that it was going to be something we saw more of. But I almost wonder if because of PlayStation being so obtuse with what you could and couldn't do in regards to uh, mods, if that made other people not want to mess with it because PlayStation was the leading platform. Yeah. Or if it's just something that, you know, of course we all know Bethesda games are known for their modding community on PC. So moving that to uh, consoles is not that weird because a lot of the mods are the same as the PC ones. It's just the, not all of them work perfectly on console due to the limit. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if this is going to kill your battery. No, it won't. You're good. Uh, but yeah, whenever you're thinking about that, I, I guess two things I want to see. I want to see more games bring mods into consoles, which is interesting because I don't tend to use them, but I love the idea. Uh, so I still want to see it. And hopefully with that, we see Sony back off. Uh, definitely since they're flirting more with PC and releasing games for it, see them back off and give a little bit more control into the mod sphere, which I feel like dreams is the perfect example of why you need to let people just make what they want to make and not limit it to a bunch of crazy stuff. Um, now of course that's not modding, but it's a game that lets you create the things you want. And it shows that when you give people tools to do whatever they want, they can make some pretty amazing stuff. Yeah. And you, you know, what's crazy is, is that they won't allow external assets to be used for mods because they're worried about breaches and stuff like that. But there are plenty of modded PS4s and stuff out in the well <clears throat> and hacked PS4s. That's how we found out about all those hidden, uh, Bloodborne bosses. Yeah. 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 And that's all from people modded. running through and yeah, all from hacked PS4. So it's kind of odd that like. I don't know. I think that's. I feel like, from a consumer level view, that that's a ghosting. That's just a fake excuse, and they they really have a another reasoning or something. I don't know. It's possible, but I also I've often thought that Sony is a little too cautious about everything. Ever and I understand understandably. Uh, ever since the, what was it, two thousand eleven or two thousand ten? One of those two. The uh, I think it's two thousand eleven. I think that's right. Whenever the big uh, attack hit where they got all their information got up. And of course that was on their server level, which is of course probably what they're worried about here is just ways for people to get back into stuff and who knows, but yeah, I think Sony being conscious is probably better than them being, you know, it's better than the, than the tonal opposite, which would be them letting everything fly with no real care. Yeah. Uh, But there's a, there's a middle ground that they can definitely find that would be, much better to getting something that I think would be conducive for all players that they would like. And honestly, maybe I would try the mods more on PS4. If you know, you got to think like Skyrim PS4 when it came, it didn't have mods at launch at all. I don't think. No, I think it was something that came like a couple months later. And like, okay, we are back and with mods, but here's the limitations. So by that point, I was kind of done with the game and platinumed it. So maybe if it's something that could hit at launch with full functionality, I'd be willing to give it a try. You know, I don't know. I've I've tried mods on the PC for Skyrim, and while I never play very long with them, it's still fun to screw around with, you know? Well, the cool thing about um, the Xbox version is is since they can do external stuff, like Mm -hmm. I I have Bruma downloaded. So I can go to Bruma from Oblivion, and it looks fantastic. Yeah. It adds a lot of really cool places and stuff that you can go explore that adds more longevity to the game. I may have asked you this before. I don't remember. Uh, and it may not be because I know that you have a size limit for mods, so it may be too big uh, to where... Do you? Uh, yeah, I think it's 4 gigs or something like that. Is that, that on PS4 or on Xbox 2? On Xbox. Oh. No, PS4 is even worse. I think it's 1 gig. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, I've yeah. never been close to hitting that, so... 
Yeah, um, that's a lot of mods. But you remember there's that person who went on to work for Destiny, I want to say, and Bungie. For Scott Oblivion? Uh, not for Scott Oblivion, but the guy who made the expansion that was a whole new continent. That's in the Xbox version. Okay, that's what yeah, I wanted. Uh, if you could play it there. Because honestly, I would be likely to play it there. Is Skyrim part of Games Pass? No. I didn't think so. No. It seemed like it was... Uh, it's on sale for 20 bucks though. Because yeah. I bought it for like the eighth time. I don't need to buy that game again because I've bought it enough times as well. Uh, I can't think of what it's called, but yeah, it added it added a whole new continent. It added With voice, voice acting, acting and everything. Yeah, yep. and that's in the Xbox version. Um, yeah. It's one of the highest rated or highest downloaded items on the Xbox other than the unofficial Skyrim patch mod. Isn't it like Fall... Frostfall? No. Nah, I'm trying to remember. Fall Crag? Something like that? Fall... I don't remember. Well, sure, Fall Creek is one of the actual cities, so yeah. it's easy to want to go to that. Um, but what have you been playing this week? Yeah. Uh, I platinumed um, Minecraft Dungeons. Good for you. Me and Sean both. Um, so that's my 76th. I'm continuing to work. It's weird. The last three games I've played, I've platinumed. Uh, that seems to happen with me all the time. I get on a roll, platinum a bunch of games in a row, and then don't platinum anything for a while. Um, but really enjoy the game. I'm not, you know, normally I say platinum is where I kind of close the book. I really enjoy the game, and I think that uh, I'd be willing to play with anybody if they pick it up and are looking for somebody and, and want to have some fun and relax and play. I think the game is just fun. Plus, there is a pretty good plans in place for when they uh, are trying to drop their first DLC, which, if I remember correctly, is. July, they're going to add two new areas yeah. uh, and new missions and stuff. And I hope alongside that comes a little bit more in-depth gameplay. I think it's very in-depth for 20 bucks. Like I say, I it's not the most deep game, but it's way more deep than $20, would you would think. Yeah. Definitely for a game like Minecraft. But I think that one of the things that Minecraft Dungeons can really do to set itself better up for people to be an entry point in the genre that is already surprisingly deep, but also going deeper is to let normal mode, like the normal story mode, and maybe even adventure mode, uh, be just as the game is right now. Then, once you get into apocalypse mode, which is what I just had to beat the last boss on to get the platinum for, once you're in that mode, have it extend out to where you get transmog and you can make any item look like any other item for cost. Yeah. Uh, maybe even bring in something like destiny's infusion system, where if you get higher power items, but you like what you have that you can again for a cost infuse them into an item. Uh, stuff like that would be really cool. And I think there's a lot of ways for them to maybe even make the game. I, I, it's, it's, it's a little weird because it would change the game almost completely for them to break away from the three, uh, equipment slots and then three artifact slots, but they technically could do the same thing of like breaking it up to where you can actually piece together a helmet, a uh, chest, an arm. I think that's probably going too far, but they can definitely push small things that give it a little bit more depth. Maybe yeah. the ability to re-enchant and re-roll enchants for a, a cost, maybe introduce a currency that's specific to that, that you can grind out. Um, those games are all about the grind, you know? So when you think about Diablo and how it works out, this game's got a lot of that already in it. Just if they push a little bit further uh, as part of an expansion, it'd be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I, I, I definitely wouldn't enjoy it, so we'll see. Stuff like that gets weird, though, because a lot of those features would have to be added to the base game at no extra cost, but they wouldn't get the new content, but they'd still get the ability to do some of the stuff. Eh, hard to say. But, again, I really enjoyed the game. Uh, I don't know how much you intend to still play it. Um, you know, Well, if I could get my PlayStation fixed. If you have a system. 
And then that's a big question. What are you going to do with new consoles coming? I mean, there's no point in buying. I'm not, a yeah, PS4 I'm not Pro. buying another PlayStation. Yeah. yeah, I'm just. I, I will either wait it out and just play Xbox and the Switch when I can find one of those, or I don't know. Like, yeah. I, like because it, I, I cannot. Like, if you if you type in PS4 Pro stuttering on everything on Google, you do not get any good answers. You get re, you get the very standard rebuild database. You get you get all that stuff, which makes it sound like it's a fairly in common problem. But when it does happen, I want to say it's because you, who, of who knows. I want to say it's because of an update. So I'm waiting for another system update to happen and see if that fixes it. Well, four point what was it? Not four. But I can't remember. There seven was something seven point five two or something yeah. like that. Maybe I can't remember what it was. Uh, that hit recently. I don't remember if I even updated or not. I guess I had to if I've been playing online. Yeah. So. Uh, but next update, I'm going to see because I don't think there's like a Ask US PlayStation thing on Twitter, unlike like there is on. Um, the Ask PlayStation UK. I'm not sure. So, Whew. I can't get any exact answers. <coughs> Bless you. Sneezing is an interesting phenomenon. Mm-hmm. It's like you can see into the future. It's like, I know it's coming. <laughs> okay. Um, I did, outside of Minecraft Dungeons, though, um, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do up until The Last of Us 2. Uh, part two, as Neil Druckmann would prefer me to say. What? <laughs> He's been saying that forever. The game is called The Last of Us Part Two. It's not the second game. It's the second part of Joel and Ellie's story. It, it's one of those things that goes back to a, a, a little bit of pretension, which it I think is. all artists, no, no, that's not all artists have. Yeah, that's... Uh, but it, it's just always funny when you're on the other end because it's like, okay, dude, it's it's The Last of Us Part... It's just The Last of Us Two. But um in the in-between time from that, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do. And one of the things I've been talking about with um, Chris from Midweek Matinee, the movie podcast we've been doing, uh, he was playing Greedfall, and he's been really enjoying it. And we were talking about it. And I've even re- mentioned to you recently that that's a genre that has not been explored near as much this generation as it was last generation. Uh, the kind of Western RPG with a lot of different choices and options and exploration that is not just tied to combat, but more tied to like... Do you want to make your character a smooth talker who can talk his way out of situations with charisma and all these different things? I like those kinds of, excuse me, games. So I was going through PS Now, um, and I saw a game that I remember releasing on late PS3. It's called Risen 3 Titan Lords. And I remember the Risen series from last gen. And apparently it released on PS4 as an enhanced edition. Um, It's by Piranha Bytes, which is a developer that, Let's see, I'm trying to think of... Oh, they're behind the uh, the Gothic series. Gothic 1, 2, 3. They did not make Arcania Gothic 4. But either way, um, I downloaded that and started playing it today. It's a pirating game that's an RPG as well. So actually kind of similar to Greedfall in a slight way. I mean, Greedfall, you're not a pirate, but you've got the sailors and whatnot working with you. Uh, the other thing that I downloaded that I'm going to try to and jump in and see which one holds my attention is... Uh, probably over a year and a year and a half ago, maybe I bought Assassin's Creed four on recommendation from a few people. Cause you know, I'm not a huge Assassin's Creed fan, but people say about how different it is as a game. So I downloaded it to finally start it and try for a little bit. Interesting that they're both pirate games. Yeah. But you know, outside of that, just kind of biding time and hoping that I play something that ends up pulling me in. If neither of those work, then I'm probably going to buy a rise simple story or something like that. And go from there. But that leads us into the community's take before we get into the news. 
And the community stake this week was kind of based off of uh, a little bit of some stuff that Sony had said last week uh, that was in regards to what they've kind of had for this entire generation about what they feel in regards to console generations. Uh, so the question was, do you agree with Sony's stance on console generations and how they should bring forth games that can make the most of the new console features? Or do you align more with Microsoft's take that generations should be more fluid with games working on older machines as well? And, of course, the fact that Microsoft has their uh, backwards compatibility that makes older games work on newer machines. Uh, so they're kind of going both ways. Uh, and I'm not surprised, considering what kind of podcast we are and the response we got. But I was just curious to see what people were going to say. So over on Discord, uh, our, pa- our patron, Atlas Unchained, said, I agree with Sony's stance for sure. I want the games to reflect the hardware upgrades. I don't fully understand Microsoft's attempt quote, next-gen games will be playable on current-gen hardware. That just seems like a fancy way of saying we're still making Xbox One games, but they're going to run better on the new machine. Uh, Which, honestly, I think is exactly what's happening. And I think one of the weird things here, and and not to any kind of a bad degree of Microsoft, but I think what's going on is that they're finding it easier to let their teams make games that are still workable on, on Xbox Ones, all the way back to the original, and not completely have to tap into all the new stuff the new consoles can do so that they can get games out quicker, which has been one of the biggest complaints from people this generation is that Microsoft has had less exclusives and definitely less new IP. So, of course, they bring a lot of uh, new studios in, and instead of trying to get them to work on new console hardware that's quite a bit different, let them go ahead and make games go through. And it seems like a temporary measure. You know, they've said right now that it's going to be at least the first year, probably the first 18 months. But after that, they may not move forward with it. So I think they're trying to more smoothly transition and let games work with a larger audience, all sorts of stuff going on. But I don't think it's something that they plan on doing the whole generation. Um, because if they did, I think what would end up happening is like where you can see... Uh, PlayStation 3 is a good example. And even the Xbox 360 to a, to a degree as well. When you look at a game like uh, Uncharted 1, which was Naughty Dog's first game on PlayStation 3, and then you look at The Last of Us, which is their last game on PS3, seeing how being able to make games for a specific set of hardware and really hone it in at the end of that generation to where you can make something that looks drastically different is a great thing. And then, of course, you have that happening this generation where you see The Last of Us Remastered was was their first kind of foray into PS4. And now we have The Last of Us 2, which looks notably better than even Uncharted 4, which was like their first real new game. So I think that they're... I don't think Microsoft's going to keep that going forever. But it is an interesting interstitial period. What's weird is that all that essentially just means is they'll be making cross-play games. I mean, cross-gen games. Yeah, but they're... Like he says, they're being kind of coy about wording it that way. Well, I mean, because I think that for the first time we've seen a console manufacturer say like, oh, yeah, we're not going to have any first party exclusives on our brand new console. Mm -hmm. So they're having to kind of word around that footing. Um, What's crazy is, is that this entire mentality, like last generation you would have been killed on Twitter for saying something like this. Oh, if the company did this, like, like I distinctly remember infamous second son getting critiqued to hell because it was not cross-gen because people were saying I can play infamous one and two, but I can't play three. What's the deal here? They were mad because it was not a cross-gen game. Hmm, I don't remember seeing that, but again, that's what's funny about us. I think we were on different sides of internet forums back when PS4 was launching. 
What do you mean? Uh, like, I think you were on different ones than I was, and you see, you end up seeing individual people's pocketed opinions of what you see more Maybe often. Maybe so. Others. That was on like pretty much Reddit. Well, see, and it's, I, you gotta think I never used Reddit until, and well, yeah. I still don't really. I'm, I very, very seldom use Reddit. Uh, I think that's like you see Twitter has things that you see them say often, and then you go to Reddit and be like, well, they have a completely different thing that they say often. And then if you go to Facebook, which I know you don't have, yeah, a no. lot of the Facebook gaming communities, it seems like the people that are drawn to certain things kind of share, and maybe it's just because they're all there and are being somewhat influenced by other people to form their opinions. But it is interesting seeing what each corner of the internet kind of thinks about. Well, you got to think things. about Facebook too. Is most of that is people with real identities. They got to be kind of. They don't want people. <laughs> they don't true. want people finding out who they are. And them saying something, they can come back and get them in trouble or anything like that. Yeah, no, but, but yeah, you're right. I've said I've said way in the past before. Like I'm all for cross gen games not being a thing as long yeah. as there's backwards compatibility. And actually, El Shabib on Twitter says that he says I like the idea of generations, but it's important to keep backward compatibility. Just like a phone, you get the latest one, and you are still able to access everything from it, but with a few new bells and whistles. And that makes perfect sense. Um, you know. I think that the PlayStation Four, including backwards or PlayStation Five, including backwards compatibility for PlayStation Four, makes this a non-issue. Um, it makes it even like even weirder, a dis- like a weird discussion point too, because it doesn't mean anything if they're forgetting PlayStation Four, quote unquote, going forward with PlayStation Five. That doesn't affect anybody who has a PlayStation Five. If anything, it's affecting those who have a PlayStation Four. Mm-hmm. So, but in my eyes, I'm going to have a PlayStation Five at launch, so it doesn't affect me at all. Um, Which, except for the PS4 uh, and PS3 backwards compatibility, that's kind of the way that PlayStation always operated until the need to get PS3's cost down, and they had to cut off PS2 backwards compatibility. Yeah. It was always like that. It was like we're making a new machine. The games are only going to be for the new machine, the new ones. But you'll still be able to play all your PS2 games on it. All right. And now, you know, PS1, hey, we're making PS2 games. They're only going to be for PS2, but you can still play your PS1 games. And now we're getting there with PS5. Yeah. Only going to be PS5 games. We're only going to make those games for PS5. But if you want to play your favorite PS4 games, you Go can. Ahead. Yeah. And it is because it's like half the discussion. It's like you're still carrying the legacy back with you. But you're not worried about making your future thing compl- you know, compatible with your previous legacy. And I think that that's what it, – it's weird. Like, like El Chabib says, it's it's all about backward compatibility coming into it as at least an option. Yeah, Are, is everyone going to use it? Yeah, if backwards compatibility is not a thing, I'd be much more <clears throat> against this. I'd be like, well, this is – you know, you have a, uh, whatever the adoption rate is now of a PS4, you have that percentage of people missing out on these games – because they're not going to be able to afford a PlayStation 5 because of everything going on right now in the world. Mm-hmm. And you don't have backwards compatibility so that these people now feel left out to all these other games, which to a consumer matters, but to the company, they don't care. Okay, hold that. on. Back, I, I think I may have lost you somewhere. So what what games are they locked out of? I, I, may, I either misheard Anything you. that's not cross-generational. <clears throat> okay, so are you saying people who have a PS4 but can't afford a PS5 are going to miss out on PS4? Five games? Yeah, well, well, they're going to miss out on what would have been cross-generational, which is the whole point of this whole thing of it not really having cross-generational titles. Yeah, yeah. So, which no, I guess no company has ever done until now. now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, to me though, I've always said before, like when new technology comes out, it matters to adopt. I guess Nintendo did it with Breath of the Wild. What do you mean? No, Breath of the Wild was on Wii U. That's what I'm saying. It, it was a cross-gen game from a first-party studio. Because oh. most most, for, most cross-gen games were not from console manufacturers. They've almost always been from second or third from third-party studios. Yeah. 
<clears throat> but when you look at it, I guess Nintendo, that one's kind of weird though. Cause I really think breath of the wild was made for Wii U and it was really just ported up to Wii U. It wasn't made with both in mind to begin with ported to the switch. Yeah. Sorry. Um, but, um, but that just was an example of, I guess that maybe that's something that more companies are thinking of now is making the games available on more than one. But well, what's crazy to me that's is weird. I actually get both of these companies' viewpoints because when new technology comes out, and especially for like a console, something you're going to own for upwards, I would say a minimum at this point in, in console life, six years. Yeah, um, that it's important to adopt that new technology because that new deck to- uh, technology is going to need adopters to push that technology forward. If, if a PS five comes out, and nobody buys it. Technologies using the PS five aren't going to go anywhere because it didn't sell anything. Yeah. Until that number yeah. starts to go up and, that, and new techniques that are used within games are not going to find footing in newer games until more people start. Yeah. Kind of picking and up and to that. that's yeah. the reason that consoles are now trying to, or they're not trying to, but they are surprising, you know, mid range PCs, which we've never really seen before for the price point for them. Because PC started coming up, and I feel like consoles really had to start finding a way to include something in them that made them worth purchasing for those people who owned a PC who wanted a console or who would, who were interested in buying a console. Um, but at the same time, Xbox is doing something also pretty crazy with with how they're going about this console because it's something that is different in this in a different vein. It is we're going to have forward titles looking back now. Um, but it's not only that, but it's the accessibility that they're offering is something that is also very valuable to consumers. If you cannot afford to adopt a console, yeah, you and get you cannot, new experiences. Yeah, if you can't help to push that technology forward, you not only get new experiences, but then you get them again if you do buy that new console. Perfectly fine. It, it, it's 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 kind of a cool way of doing it. And not only that, but let's say. Let's say I lost my job and I couldn't afford a PS5 or Xbox Series X. Yeah. And I had Xbox One X. Well, I still have all my Games Pass stuff and I still have all my um, uh, backwards compatibility stuff on there. And I can get time out of that. But then when I get a Series X, it's all still there. It's all same under the same account. But now I get the new games for it. And I can still play those new games like Halo Infinite. I can still play that then experience them again. Say if I want to go to a harder difficulty or something. And, yeah, it'd be play completely, them and look better. And look better and it play better potentially and everything. So... I think that they're honestly they're they're two companies that are doing two very different things, and I kind of think that nails in the point we were making a couple of months ago. If these companies are getting harder and harder to compare, almost so that there's no real point of comparing them because yeah. they are going that far away from each other in terms of what they're going for for a console. Um, very much similar. People still, I still kind of find it a waste of time to compare a Switch to anything or Nintendo. Well, I say Nintendo to anything. Mm-hmm. Nintendo just does what they want. Comparing them to PlayStation is not going to do anything like that's they're 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 on their own like they're all whole different sport not even ball games not even <laughs> field but they're on a different sport um but i will say um rude cold says i'm all for sony here which i've said from the start when xbox said that their new games would be cross-generational for about 18 months it pro- it's probably so that they can get games out a little quicker but for me next gen it's all about the new games that utilize new hardware to reach their full potential rather than better graphics now what i'll say here that I don't agree with with Sean, we don't ever see that at the beginning of a generation anyways. I disagree with that. What what, 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 I disagree what with do that. we see at the beginning of PlayStation I, I disagree 4? with that in a number of ways. There's a lot of stuff that kills on Shadowfall and Mac. As much as they were you know, only two exclusives, uh, both of those games did a lot of stuff that was just hands down not possible. And Mac, as much as people joke on it, Mac is a 100% game that could not have been done, at least to the way You're that it was. You're still talking about visuals. 
I'm not talking about visuals. You're talking I'm ta- about particle effects and visuals. I, I'm, no, I'm not talking about visuals. I'm talking about the actual physics that were used within Knack and the way that his character grows and shrinks. They own. They wouldn't have been able to do it to the scale they did it. And what's funny? Nobody bought Knack. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not. I, it doesn't matter about. But that's what, what I'm saying, though. Is but that it like, doesn't matter he, about who buys it. It's about his point is regardless of purchase. His point is that you want new hardware that lets games reach potential that can only be had on that hardware. And I still don't see, I, I, there's definitely better examples to be had. And I think there's going to be way more. Maybe of I a misunderstand jump this him. Generation, but maybe I misunderstand him, and he means the game's full potential because you do not see console full potential in early gen. No, that's what he means. Is the full potential you can get out of the console at the cause, well because he says the, thing, the you, new hardware and to reach their full potential. So is it the, yeah, game full the game's full potential? Or the hardware? The game's full potential see, at the time in the life cycle. I don't agree that you will ever see the hardware's full you'll, potential. You'll never see now. We're just no. now seeing the PS4's full potential of Last of Us. And, and I don't even think we're seeing the full potential. Because no, I, no matter I, I, what... I think we're capping out with how... Oh, we're getting close. But I don't I think... PS4s and stuff, how loud they're getting. I don't think... Well, I like that Mark Cerny kind of described as to why that happens because of the way the PlayStation 5 is set up. During that tech talk, he described that it's because the PlayStation 4 is not good at rendering things like maps and flat spaces and that's why typically menus make your system and it's true every time i've ever got the menus are normally where you hear your system just go okay what the hell are you doing uh but to go back to what he's saying uh regardless of whether i think it's like you're saying you never fully reach a console's full potential because it's kind of like the it's the thing of you can always squeeze just that little bit more out but is it worth all the extra time and, and work to do that when you're going to get something that's pretty close that you can release within a reasonable window, like the which the Last of Us Two has been get, being worked on for years now. Yeah, maybe, and if they wanted to, they could push it further. But it's like, what would be the real benefit of it? But here's the problem with that though: is the problem lies within the way that they are they are teasing and, and announcing their games. Well, there that, wouldn't, that, there that's would, a problem too. But I'm just be, saying, well, no, there would be no rush of any kind. There would be no standpoint of any kind if you don't reveal your release date five or or you don't reveal a game five years before it's not ready to release. Well, that's not what I'm talking about. Still, let's just say that the Last of Us Two never got announced until literally. Let's say three months before release. So let's say it got really it got announced in March. We didn't even know it existed prior to that. Okay. No matter what, the game still was being developed for four and a half years. Right. There's and so in that four and a half years, they're having to make the decision of well, how far can we push the console? And we're going to continuously try and push that a little bit more, more, more as we get close to release. But eventually, we're going to have to cut off and say we just got to release the game. We can't keep optimizing it that little bit more. So you never see a console's full power, but. To speak to Rude Cold's thing, and I think this is a big reason as to why these two companies are going vastly different routes, uh, and this is not to say anything bad about Xbox or even saying that PlayStation's superior. It goes back to our thing about these two consoles are going to be so different, uh, let alone from the companies already acting differently within what they want to do. I think part of what drives that decision is Sony, when you watch their tech talk. Just so you know, that T is like mad expired. expired. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I bought it in bulk a long time ago. Uh, on accident, and I forgot to I forgot to cancel one, so it double ordered, and I just had them. But honestly, they don't taste any different, so I've just been drinking them. Okay. Uh, but going back to that, uh, I think when you think about how different the systems are going to be, I think one of the big differences in this decision lies in the fact that Microsoft's games realistically are just going to be beefier games that are faster on the SSD naturally. And that does help game size uh, by not having to have as many copy uh, assets and whatnot in there. But I think one of the reasons that PlayStation five is so different is 
PlayStation, if they're actually going to use this system they've been painstakingly trying to build, which we've recently heard, uh, the way that the PlayStation 5 is custom built to access its memory is just something that can't be matched on PC yet because PC's got multiple hardware bottlenecks that happen due to kernel level stuff, which I don't want to get too tech. In, but you have so much stuff going on within Windows and how it can use the hardware that the PlayStation being built on a custom chip can just completely supersede and go past. Uh, PlayStation 5, as they talked about in that press thing, is that if you look at exclusives, which will be the main games that will be able to tap into this to the best power, uh, is going to be the ability for the game to draw something in directly from hard drive, never having to reach memory if they need to. Being able to, while you're turning the camera, be like, oh crap, we really need to pull this car in. Don't even worry about RAM. Skip RAM completely. Let's go from the hard drive directly into the game. I'm really curious to how well me, that'll me work too, and but, how often that'll work. Yeah, me too. But that's, that's, we should say, just from what we know, from the information that we have, because PlayStation's throughput is so much more because of that than Xbox One or Xbox Series X's is. It's only like, what? Uh, it's double. Is it? Yeah. I thought they had like uh, no, 13 and one had 16 or something. No, uh, the it's it's up to technically, I want to say 22 gigs of super compressed data. But the way they were looking at it is it's uh, the actual raw throughput, I think, is five gigabytes a second or something like that. And then, and then compressed with their cracking thing is like eight to nine. And then it can go further. Uh, Xbox uh, series X is, is like three gigabytes per second, which is still really fast. Yeah. It's just, when you look For at reference, the, like the, the current consoles have like 1.2, I think, or something. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't remember it, right now. I forgot what digital foundry said. They did a good video on it. Though. But when you're looking at that, regardless, even if my numbers are wrong, on what I'm talking about, the fact still remains that the PlayStation does have just by nature of how they chose to develop it. It has a slightly less brute force power, but it's got more optimized power. And because of that, I think when Sony's looking at themselves, who are known for pushing uh, pushing technical boundaries with their exclusives, they're making a system that's so drastically different from their system right now, the games would be really hard to scale back. If you make a game that's trying to be like, crap, we need a stop sign, pull the stop sign in right now, and you try and put that on PS4, it's not going to work without a ton of extra work. Microsoft's thing... With the way they've chosen to go about theirs, theirs is we're going to just throw a lot of brute force power and new speed that comes with the SSD. So realistically, what you're going to have is a game that is way more scalable because of that. Because outside of the SSD giving you just naturally quite slightly quicker load speeds and the ability to not have to copy stuff, it's still not fast enough to let you load an item in while you're turning directly with, without having to go through RAM. Yeah. So... Because of that, the game can technically run on the Xbox One, the original Xbox One from 2013, and the Series X, and just look worse. But uh, outside of that, the rest of the game can still function on a scalable level. So I think Microsoft's decision as to how they chose to make their system, which is perfectly fine, allows them scalability in a way that they won't have to completely change the way they're designing their games to make it backwards compatible, or forwards compatible, I should say, Do you whereas think- Sony would, and that makes a huge difference in the way that they're going to choose to go about making their games. Do you think that, that Sony may be biting themselves in the ass with this technology like they did with the cell process? I don't. And, and the main reason I don't is because it's still based off of x86 architecture. You're still looking at a typical thing. The problem with cell is that as impressive and, and great a technology as it was, it was our proprietary to that. It was way too proprietary yeah. and, it, and it wasn't running off of a chipset people were familiar with. I think what they're doing now is the same basic idea of like, hey, we're going to do 
something that's next level, but it's still going to be rooted in something that people have familiar familiarity with. Yeah. And so I personally don't think that that's going to happen, but time will tell. Well, uh, let's get a couple more before we move on to the news. Our good buddy Blaze2102 says, I buy systems for new games. When I buy a system for 400 to 500 just to play games, or we why buy a system uh, for 400 to 500 just to play games in the discount bin at GameStop? If I want to play terrible PS2 graphics, I'll play my PS2. It's a Which, bold statement. <laughs> I think, and I think he's really looking more at the difference between full-on backwards compatibility versus new, and that goes back to what we talked about uh, probably a week or two ago about how many people actually. We even I even referenced it earlier. How many people actually use backwards compatibility? I still think it should be there. But I do think less people use it than people think. Um, that, I think backwards compatibility is great for that community of patient gamers yep. that, that wait so long. Um, mm-hmm. And it's great. It's, it, I think that backwards compatibility is like a flashlight. You don't always need to carry one with you, but when you, have when you one, have one, yeah, you have it. <laughs> yeah. So you may be bored one day and think, man, I want to play Oblivion. And then you can go back and play Oblivion perfectly fine with backwards compatibility. Yep. Um, oh, and that goes towards, like I was talking about playing Fable, you know? Uh, I'm selling my Xbox One I have right now to Donovan, and the first thing he says, I can't wait to play Fable again. It's like, dude, you're not even buying it for any reason other than uh-huh. playing Fable looking a lot better than it did. Uh, but I'm going to run over real quick to um, Facebook, where Mr. Josh Shoop came in and Really saved my butt. I I got caught up this weekend. I uh, had a lot of stuff going on. It was my daughter's birthday yesterday, and we were doing a lot of setup for that, uh, which was really fun. Had a good time. But I did not put the question of the week until, or the community stake, rather, uh, until today. So thank you all for coming out on the fly. But Josh was the one who reminded me of that and went ahead and posted it on Facebook for me. So thank you. Uh, he says... I will answer the question myself here and take full liberty in answering the question because I don't know how many answers you will get because of short notice. But thank you. Oh, my gosh, Josh. He said, I will play the middle ground here. And this is good because all of them so far have been pro-Sony completely. Yeah. So I really wanted to have one that was opposing uh, or at least not so directly in Sony's court. He says, I'll play middle ground here and say that there is a delicate middle ground in which you get both. I applaud Microsoft in keeping their audience to a minimum of systems to enjoy their games. It means that anyone that has been with them since at least 360 can enjoy every game they have purchased, at least digitally, and most of the disc ones, most of them. I have found that any game I've personally looked up can be purchased digitally and for cheap. Sadly, many of the games that I wish I could replay from the PS2 and PS1 are simply not available without dishing out an exorbitant amount of money to an online retailer. True that. Definitely when he's thinking about things like Xenogears and stuff like that. Oh, you're talking about some crazy money. He says, however, I'll be the first to admit that I try not to look too far into the past with video games. I feel like the systems would have been more powerful if they didn't focus on backwards compatibility. I love playing remasters, but it feels like we've been getting a ton of those as of late, definitely with THQ Nordic, uh, which I'm thankful for. But that is great to relive old adventures, but that also pulls away teams from working on a new IP. For that reason, I will side with Sony on this decision. I want to ask you dudes a question, though. When looking at both sides of this coin, what would you want to see moving forward? Are you hoping that Microsoft go the distance like Hercules and truly have every game that has ever been on Xbox be available for their fan base? Would you prefer that Sony keep on <clears throat> Sony keep on keeping on? Will Goku ever satiate his hunger? Oh man, a ton of Dragon Ball Z references. I don't think that that backwards compatibility is that extensive on teams. 
that's going to be a question that we can't come to a straight answer to, but I don't think backwards compatibility takes that many people away from other parts of any departments to, to pull oh, like he's um, suggesting. I, I get what he's saying. I mean, I, I don't think that's a thing. Like I, I, I think it's a system level. It's a system level feature that already has a system level team. Oh, okay. So we're looking at something. I, I, I think you, at least from what I can read, I'm going to go back and double check it. He was saying specifically remasters, not just backwards compatibility. Remasters are well, pulling spe- teams away from I think remasters shouldn't. On. I think remasters shouldn't exist in the way that they do, and backwards compatibility is the answer for those. Yeah, that's, and just that's like pretty what much Xbox what he says. Is, what is Xbox is doing? Yeah. He says, what, I, love repl- I love playing remasters, but it feels like we've been getting a ton of those late, and it's great to relive those old adventures, remasters, but it pulls teams away from working on new IP. Right. Whereas yeah. Xbox's feature of giving you a faux remaster yeah. on a system level thing of just rendering a 720p game nine times to make it 4K, yeah. that's brilliant. And what's, it what's, really is a brilliant feature. What's crazy about that, the, the two sides of the coin question, though, is that they're both the same answer. They're both taking leaps in technology to advance them in other ways. Yeah, and just opposite. Yeah. Well, not opposite, but just different ways. Yeah, I'm different ways. Opposite, because you have Xbox doing that with their backwards compatibility that's allowing their teams to work on their games. And then you have Sony, who is already having their teams work on their games because they're only putting backwards compatibility to a PS4 level. Mm-hmm. And that's a system level. Well, at least that we know of right now. Yeah. But I doubt it. I, I, I doubt it. I doubt well. it'll be anything different. Me but too. I think it's, a, it's the same outcome. <clears throat> their, their teams are both doing a greater goal by focusing on backwards compatibility in a way. They're fo- Sony's focusing on only having PlayStation 4 so that they don't have that big of a team dedicated to it at a system level. And then you have Xbox focusing on it as a, in a terms of remastering, quote-unquote, their backwards compatibility games, or backwards compatible games, so that they don't have to pull teams to work on them so those teams can work on other games. Yeah, I think that's got, fair. Like, like Rockstar is not a first-party studio for Xbox. No. But then you have Red Dead that when you played that, I thought that was Red Dead 2 for a second. Mm-hmm. And, I and Rockstar never touched it. Yeah, I wasn't paying attention to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I guess to my answer to that question, as much as I do like Sony's take on uh, not wasting actual teams on remasters and wasting team members within a team on making sure the game can still run on the original PS4. Uh, I definitely prefer Sony's route there, but I would want to see them two sides of the coin thing. I would like to see them take specifically enhanced backwards compatibility in the way that Microsoft's chosen to pursue it. And to that end, if we did get PS3 backwards compatibility announced as much as I don't think we will, if uh, we did, and they and they offered that just like Microsoft have been doing. That'd be fantastic because think about it: you'd be able to replay Infamous One and Two without it being near as ugly. And now it does still need a remake for some other reasons, mm-hmm. but it would make it a Bearable. much more viable thing to play on yeah. your 4K TV than trying to play a 720p game through PlayStation Now. Was that even a 720p game? Yeah, it was. Okay. Yes, and, but you're also playing it through PlayStation Now, which was probably more like native. 540p yeah. in terms of the visual so quality. it's a 720p game running at a 540p on a 4k display so when you think about how much is going on there yeah it'd be great to just be able to play that natively with a resolution boost from that smart system that microsoft chose to do which has worked brilliantly Dude, every game i've played I, I'm it's, it's you, i was pretty shocked when i saw yeah. red dead i really hope oblivion gets that uh, i think i think it has it does it see i haven't played it if it does i'm gonna try there's it out. a list that you can find that shows where they've done it so, uh, what, what, what games they've done it to. What is that called? Enhanced backwards compatibility. That's all it is. 
Now the games still are patched with the for to reach that system level of letting it do it, but that's about it. It's a pretty hands off thing for there's uh, twenty three of them. Uh, he he rounds that off by the way by saying, "Hey boys, keep up the great work. Saul, your beard is looking magnificent, my Uh-oh, dude. Not anymore. Although though. you still have some catching up to my apprentice wizard length. Oh uh, well, I he's just, ruined it, Josh. Yeah, yeah. You got to watch the video for this one because it's gone. Then he says, "Brett, can't wait to hear all your musical undertakings that I know you've been working hard on." To which I sent him a demo that we just finished lately. So thank you. And he sent me one of his. So, yes, you guys are great. Skyrim is not on there, by the way. You lied. Not Skyrim. I said Oblivion. I mean Oblivion. Oblivion and I said, I said I think, but there is Sk- that's, not, that's not the list of the what I'm looking for. There's one that is in a column, and it says whether it's 4K, whether it's got HDR, all those things. And, oh. and it shows that it's enhanced backwards but, compatibility. Thank you, Josh. I'm sorry that I couldn't mm-hmm. live up to your beardness. I got a new beard trimmer that allowed me to trim my beard all at one length with a guard on it that actually did not cut it all off. So the the golden thing to try and find normally yeah. i let my beard grow out because it's it's way too hard to cut it yeah and now i just <laughs> i literally went over with it i trimmed up my neckline trimmed up the the facial line yeah and was good to go okay guys thank you guys so much and we will get you on the next community stake if we didn't get you one on here we hope you guys keep giving us great answers uh so thank you for that gonna go ahead and move on into the news which starts off every week with our new interesting game of the week and the one i chose for this week was uh yeast as i always call it yeast uh, memories of salsetta it's an action rpg that uh, was originally released on the vita one of the Vita's best games, actually. Uh, the game makes its way to PS4 for a bigger audience, including higher resolution, 60 frames per second support, and re-optimized controls for the lack of touchscreen uh, because the game did have some touchscreen controls. But thankfully, the PlayStation 4, DualShock 4, has extra inputs that those things can be mapped to, so I'm sure they're fine. Uh, so that's cool. And I did not look at the price, but I would imagine this is probably at max a $40 release, if not even 30. Uh, I would suggest picking it up. If you like the East games, um, or if you've never seen them, check it out. You may find something that you like, uh, next up though, as we move into the real news, as you very likely know by now, uh, last week we discussed the PlayStation five games event and that it was coming. Now we know that in solidarity and in support of the protests that have been happening, Sony decided to postpone the PS5 games reveal event to a later date to allow, quote, more important voices to be heard, end quote, uh, during all the ongoing protests that are throughout the world. So I think this was a good move for them, honestly. Uh, I understand it. I will say that there's a side of me that I'm really glad just because of it does get exhausting to an extent to constantly be surrounded by how tense everything is right now. And it's just one of those things where there's that part of me that would have liked for it to go ahead to serve as a distraction, not in the negative sense, but just as a distraction from, because right now when you're on social media, it's just beating you down. And I get that that's the point. Uh, But I think everybody occasionally, even the people who are in the midst of that, it's good to have something to kind of decompress with. And something like that can pull your mind off for a little bit while not necessarily taking away, but I think that this was a really nice move from them, and we've seen a lot of people follow suit, including Nintendo, and a bunch of people kind of being like, we're offering we're offering our support and staying way more quiet than usual. Uh, even going so far as uh, Rockstar cut online service for their games for like, like two, two hours. days or something no, like that. No, it was two hours. Either way. I think it was like 2 to 4 p.m. on a day or something like that. Yeah, bold, so, bold something move. Something like that. Yeah, it yeah. was. Um, I kind of I kind of see what you're saying though about that is is I was kind of looking forward to a light, uh, and that it doesn't always mean to say though that this time is a time that you need a light uh, in, in the end of the dark tunnel. Maybe the tunnel is supposed to remain dark so that you get the message that is trying to be conveyed by everybody. Yeah, um, 
I will say though that uh, Bungie, uh, I'll go ahead and steal some news from you. Uh, they are announcing the DLC for Destiny Two uh, coming out the day after this episode airs. So if you are um, if you're looking for an announcement of any kind, then you still have an idea of Destiny, or if you still play Destiny, uh, you may find um, some solace in that. I'll check it out. I don't know if I'll ever play. I don't know if I'll go back to Destiny full time again. They'll have to they'll have to really kind of flip the game over on its head to, to get that. But <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, next thing up is a pretty big rumor, and it's actually been rumors that have swirled around for a long time, and I've decided not to touch on them. But more people than ever commented on them. Doesn't mean they doesn't mean them that they're real or anything, but it gives a little bit more of a where there's smoke there's fire kind of a situation. Mm-hmm. So uh, the rumors this week have hit that Bloodborne is hitting PS5 and PC in a remastered state that will run at 4K 60 frames per second, include quality of life updates, and is being developed by both Bluepoint Games and QLOC, uh, and that was the team behind the Dark Souls remastered. Uh, so even if this is all crap, it's crap that's kind of thought through. <laughs> uh, with Bluepoint apparently also helming a Demon Souls remake, which is what everyone has been thinking they've been doing for PS5 only. Both of which were to be announced during the postponed PS5 games event. Now, this rumor couldn't be entirely fluff, but looking at QLock. Going in, this makes a lot of sense because not only do they already have some familiarity with uh, Frums games, they also would be needed for Bluepoint to be able to use themselves and stretch themselves thin enough to work on not only, excuse me, a remaster, but also a full-on remake. They're a very small studio, so for them to do both of these things simultaneously, they would have either had to have grown massively in a very short period of time, which I feel like we would have seen more evidence of, mm-hmm. or there'd have to just be a support studio, which makes way more sense. So if I'm going to lead into this rumor, which I kind of... So I've seen a lot of big influencers talk about mm-hmm. this, and and I've seen literally... I forgot his name. I think I looked him up on, on um, Twitter, so I'm outside of it in there to see who he was. But he said... Um, for those expecting uh, Elden Ring news, uh, you, you would be disappointed. But for those expecting overall uh, Dark Souls style news, you would not have been. And I'm like, well, wait a second here. What are you talking about? And so he, I was looking at his responses, and he's talking Is about. Is it that Imran? I can't remember his name. It was uh, Gene Park, maybe. I, I, I remember what tweet you're talking about because I, I thought that was interesting. People were saying, uh, it, it essentially said for people that thought Elden Ring was going to release in 2020, or hoping that it would, you're out of luck. But for the next two years, you got essentially good From Software news. No, if you're a that, fan of that wasn't Software. it. It didn't mention 2020 in it. It was another It was another person on Twitter that had a checkmark. Yeah. Because um, I remember that one. To be fair, the checkmark doesn't necessarily mean anything. But No, but I'm just saying, that I, I know at least they, they are somewhat of a of a credible person. Yeah. Whether that's good credibility or not, with yeah. the checkmark. But yeah. Uh, what I will say though is that it would be kind of crazy to know that Bluepoint's been working on Demon Souls, and then when they started to work on Bloodborne, they pulled in Qlot to help them with Bloodborne. Well, I haven't played Dark Souls Remastered, but I remember you saying the remaster was great, right? Oh, flawlessly great. Yeah, there is not—I don't think I've ever had drop of frames in that game ever. Well, but I, even outside of that, like they made a lot of changes to the game. I remember like a lot of the ant, like fire, fire sprites, and fire stuff sprites like that are different. The fog is different. There's a couple of other things, but it all there. feels right. And yeah, I think that's I a mean, big it doesn't thing. feel out of place. Like that's kind of why I like the switch version as well, because it's switch version is just dark souls remastered, but it's, it's dark souls at a steady 30 frames. It is. <laughs> there is no, there's no fancy fire, nothing like that in there. It's the original base game. And yeah. I think that the switch version captures 
what is the, I guess you could say the style of the original game better, but this game feels much more like a Dark Souls game now. If you've gone through and played Dark Souls 2 and 3. Yeah. Um, this game feels more uh, undated. It feels more new. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Uh, the reason I was curious about that is because with bringing Q-Lock, as I keep calling too, and and you're looking at that, they made some stylistic changes, which I'm sure were probably approved, or at least if nothing else. I mean, they're not always approved by From Software, you know, in terms of are from the original developer. But a lot of times, I feel like remasters do try and go to somebody who was involved and be like, "What do you think of this?" Yeah. Uh, but if not, we know that Blue Point's really good about trying to nail exactly what the original was going for. Uh, so when if you're going to make some changes going forward. Bloodborne's not near as dated as uh, Dark Souls 1 was by the time that it received a remaster. Honestly, so, though, it's, it, it has a fair share of problems, though. It does. It does. Um, it, but it, but it's, it's so atmospheric, and so is Dark Souls. But I think Bloodborne's atmosphere is even more part of the game than Dark Souls to me. At least, I don't know why. I, just, mm, I get that feeling when I'm playing it. Uh, I could see that past a certain point. <laughs> well, either way... I, it's great that this would be happening. This brought up a question throughout the PlayStation community and really across gaming as a whole uh, of people being upset that the idea of Bloodborne coming back in a remastered state like this would mean that Sony has no intentions for any kind of a smart delivery like system and that this is them trying to peg people for money. So well, this, this is, is something this is, it goes back to what we we're talking about. This will be a remaster. Exactly. And I think that the big thing that people aren't thinking is like, People are looking at the smart delivery system that's being employed in like Cyberpunk and the Assassin's Creed Valhalla or whatever the heck it's called. I said it in Valhalla. Yeah. Um, when you're uh, when you're looking at those games, those are games that are slated for this year that are very close to the next console release, and they're already being developed with the next consoles in mind. To me, I think it's very disingenuous to look at a Sony game from 2015, five years ago and expect them to not only just make the game playable on PS4, which we already probably know is going to be possible, but that they're also going to make you play it on PS5 and while giving you 4K 60 frames per second and all that stuff, that takes extra work. They have to go back in and open up a game that they've closed off on and not touched from a development standpoint in years. To add that in, it would make very little sense for them to do that for free. Unless they're trying to be cool and go, well, you know what? We're doing it to release on PC, which needs 4K60. We could easily port those over to the PS4 version and give it as a free update, which is still possible. We don't know that. Um, but the other thing could just be that with how many changes that they're doing, that they're going to look at doing it as a, a full-on individual release. And who's to say they won't have some cool setup like I've been saying that would be kind of cool with the way this generation's set up? There's nothing to say that they couldn't say for people who already own Bloodborne for ten dollars you can buy the patch that we, gives we, you all this they, stuff. They will never do that. I don't know that they We've would. We've never either. seen them do that. We've no, never of seen course. A company do that. But I, I hope that that's something we start seeing instead of full on remasters no. that are individual releases. They're just going to sell their remasters $40. for forty dollars and get everybody's money. I know that's what's going to happen. I think so as well. Um, but it'd be a cool in between ground. You know what I mean? But uh, I, I, I'm interested in seeing this mainly because I don't necessarily believe that it's true. But I will say that this rumor more than the other ones, like the stupid Konami rumors, like those didn't have very high people talking about them. Seeing Nibble talk about this on Twitter was like, wait a second, yeah, yeah. He didn't give any kind of credence or attention to that other stuff, and here he is talking about this. Um, <laughs> While we're on the rumor mill, uh, did you see that? Apparently, the the next Silent Hills. Somebody put a rumor out that it should be shown at the PS5 reveal event. Shut up. 
Just shut up, everybody. If you're a person who acts like they know inside information for PlayStation, and then you're like, oh, yeah, they're going to show this. Delete yourself from our fan base, please. Like, please. I can't stand you people that are like, oh, yeah, I got super secret intel. They're going to show this. Just watch. Oh, they didn't. I'm sorry. Dude, they changed it at the last minute. My uncle works at places. Yeah, no. I can't stand people like that. I was mimicking one of them. Like, I forgot what we were watching. It was like a state of play or something in our Discord. And we were all like, and I was like, y'all watch. We were getting God of War 2 boys. I know from the inside. I'm just like, that's how... It's how crazy they sound. They're doing it all for fame, and they're hoping they get the one lucky moment that, like, something crazy they predict is as they actually announced. And then, and it doesn't have to be full, and, right? As long as it's like half of what they said is at least true. Yeah, it's like they now get this newfound but credibility. Then they think that they can delete their tweets with the predictions in them, and people won't remember. And I remember who you are, and I remember with those tweets. I'm not stupid, <laughs> um, but yeah, please don't do that. That just it's really annoying. Okay, next up on news for racing fans who enjoyed Evolution Studios' take on the genre, uh, the racing genre, with early PS4 exclusive Drive Club, they might find something of its legacy in the upcoming project Cars 3, which was recently revealed to be helmed by the man behind Drive Club uh, and Evolution Studios' RIP. Uh, the game is due out this summer, and you can check out its reveal trailer for more. So who's to say? The crazy thing, we were, I was having a dis- uh, discussion with uh, Ryan, um, in response to a Twitter picture where someone had made a picture of all the PlayStation, or essentially what they were implying was all the PlayStation Four exclusives together on one picture, like it's like a family photo. Yeah. But I put the joke in there, like you're missing somebody important, and it was uh, Grayson from the Order 1886. And he says, "Well, it's also missing the the helmeted driver from Gran Turismo." And I was like, "Fair enough." Um, and he was saying that. People point to Gran Turismo as a, you know, a lot of people don't want to talk about it until they can point to it as a graphical showcase for the system, which I find interesting because Drive Club being older than Gran Turismo Sport still looks better than Gran Turismo in a lot of, a lot of ways. What's crazy, and this may be from a closed-in perspective, but if it wasn't for Ryan, I would never see anybody talk about Gran Turismo until there is no Gran Turismo. Oh, yeah, and the crazy thing about Gran Turismo, and as, as he's kind of talking about there are people who are vocal about it, but a lot of people, a lot of people, I would say silently, just buy it, sport it, love it, and play it like crazy. But they don't necessarily hop over social media and talk about it. Yeah, but and the that game the, series—that's that, probably the cause. But like, constantly it, sells cr- incredible numbers, and they're so. I, 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 what we were talking about was whether or not we thought because there's rumors that Gran Turismo Seven will be shown at the PlayStation reveal. Event. Of course, there was. Okay, so. I think it's actually possible because one of the things a lot of people wanted from the PS4 was a Gran Turismo 7 since Sport is kind of a different take on the series. Um, I think it's possible. That was the, the question from there became, do we just see the game, but it's not a launch game or a launch window game, or do we see the game announced as a launch game? And he, he brought up a good point. If Sony were, you know, Sony's talk about wanting to move people over as quickly as possible. If they wanted to really move systems, having a Gran Turismo 7 be a launch game or a launch window game within the first six months, a lot of people, a pretty huge chunk uh, of a couple of million would immediately drop money on a new system. I could see that. Because when there's no Gran Turismo, people's asking where it's at. Yep. But then when it comes out, you don't see people saying, I love this game, except yeah. Ryan. Yeah. If it wasn't for Ryan, I would not know Gran Turismo existed. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm real bad because I just play them for uh, all racing games. I play them for a short stint, then I'm done with them. I'm like, okay, I want the next one. Uh, but 
that's interesting behind the scenes stuff. The next thing up is that developer behind Mafia 3 and the upcoming remake of Mafia, which is Hangar 13. They've recently likened their remake of Mafia to a to Resident Evil 2, which is a little surprising, but what they're kind of saying is like they're wanting to bring the original game forward with some changes but aiming to still be faithful to the source material while bringing it up in a lot. That's cool. The changes for the game right now that they're talking about include a completely new engine. Not So they're not just reusing the Mafia 3 engine. Uh, there's going to be new in-game cutscenes of things that were originally not given cutscenes. And there's going to be new gameplay sequences that were not in the original. Um, the jury's still out on how well that's going to be. And I wonder if part of the reason that they're doing this is like they know that the other two parts of the Mafia trilogy have not been received very well. Mafia 2 Remaster. Uh, has got a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. Mafia Three, the patch that was supposed to give it PS4 Pro support, Mafia makes Two it had a lot look, of issues in the base game. Yeah, it did. It did, but not as many as this one. Yeah. Uh, but Mafia Three's PS4 Pro support that got added in from a different developer too, if I'm not mistaken, also makes the game work worse than it originally did. Um, so n- interesting, nonetheless. Uh, I think that the Mafia fan base is a little torn on the Hangar 13 thing because the first game they came in and did was Mafia 3, which is very different from the other two. Uh, But we'll see. Uh, Next up, developer DICE announced that Battlefield 5 will no longer be updated for DLC or expansions despite early claims uh, that the game would be treated as a live service title. Despite this, one final update is set to release this month featuring two new maps, nine new weapons, and new vehicles. They claim to be cutting support to focus on the next entry in the long-running series set to arrive sometimes next year. Now, the reason that this is interesting is that despite originally calling it a live service title, We've essentially gotten, what, one year out of it? Didn't Battlefield Five release? Two years, I think. Was it the 2018? Okay, it was. So we got two years out of it. Um, oh, that means that if Battlefield Five's coming next year, this is the first time. Battlefield Six. Or Battlefield Six, yeah, uh, or whatever it's going to be called. The next Battlefield. This would be the first time that Battlefield has not been a bi-yearly franchise in a long time. Well, to me, it's, it's, it's also kind of Probably a, a, good thing. a hesitation, like, Unless you just really, 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 really enjoy these games, don't spend money on them because they're just like this. They're going to be cut off from support. Oh, like, don't spend money on them under the promise of live service. Yeah, I don't think you should them, ever you buy skins a game or whatever. Fine, go for it, but like, yeah. don't, don't, don't do that. And if you do it, do it for games like Final Fantasy fourteen or World of Warcraft or Destiny. Games MMOs. you know are going to stay around. Yeah. All right, next thing up, Konami have seemingly pulled interest back into the console and PC gaming sphere with the stealth release of a new series they are publishing in partnership with indie developer Akuza. Skeletac Attack is a 2D action platformer that you can grab on all current-gen consoles for $19.99. They, of course, have been releasing collections of things like uh, the... Um, was it Contra Collection? I think they did. I think they did the uh, different Castlevania collections that they put out. They had like Rondo of Blood and stuff on them. But this is the first time outside of their PES soccer game that they do every year that they've shown interest in console instead of just the mobile market. You know, they've been doing mobile games and their normal pachinko machines and stuff. But this is interesting and also could lead some credence into the back of regardless of whether it's through exclusive nature that silent hill being one of their tentpole franchises could still be coming back it's really kind of hard to say as a pachinko machine (laughs) uh next thing up as saul is actually watching over there uh 
After obtaining rights to Kingdoms of Amalur IP, which we talked about last year, many wondered if THQ Nordic would be able to remaster and re-release the first game in the series, since it was originally released under EA or published by EA. We now know that continuing in their odd naming convention for remasters, they did get the rights to it, and Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning is set to release on consoles and PC on August 18th for... The reasonable price, in my opinion, of thirty nine ninety nine with a collector's edition available for one oh nine ninety nine, which is another thing that they do. They just do co- collector's editions for every game. Uh huh. Every game. Of it's course they wild. do. They make a ten dollars statue and sell it for like a hundred dollars. Actually, dude, that's the crazy thing. All of their statues are better quality than a lot of collectors. Oh, I'm not saying they're bad quality, but those things probably oh, they're still cheap. are ridiculous. But yeah. it's amazing to me that there's been more expensive collector's editions that have worse statues. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um. What was it? It's something. This gen had a statue that looked the face on it. Was it derpy? Was it your? Was it your? No, I think your Drake statue looks terrible. Where is it at? No, it's not that one. There's to, something. To be fair, he doesn't really look like Nathan Drake that much in the no. face. There's something though that like even like the eyes seem like it's almost like they're uneven or something. It's what not. I don't it? think it's Aloy. Aloy's statue looks pretty good. Um, and actually, looking at it, the Order eighteen eighty six. Uh, collector's figures also look really good. Aloy looks fine. It's not Aloy. There's something. It may not be something you have, but I remember looking at it and being like, like, that looks derpy. Yeah. Yeah. No, it it happens a lot. Uh, I almost wonder if it's my Uncharted 3 collection edition. It looks so dumb. I think that's what it is. I think that might be why I'm thinking of Drake. I don't even know where I have it right now. It's probably in there. Oh, it's right here. Oh, yeah, it is. Let's give visual people a treat. Oh, man. You're in for a real big treat. I will say, though, this the, is a really cool packaging. Yeah, the yeah. presentation for it was really well done. It is. If you see here, you can open it up, and there's a slot right here for the necklace, and then there's a slot down here for the belt buckle that has the horseshoe on it. Uh, because which, you're wearing an Uncharted belt buckle. Yeah, I'm not going to pull those out. But this this figure that I've never pulled out because it doesn't even remotely look like Nathan Drake to me, are we doing a live unboxing on the show? We are doing a live unboxing. I'll, I'll, Apparently, since I've never pulled it out, it won't come out. I'll take it up there to the camera real quick so they can see it. Look at that face. Yeah, that looks like um, <laughs> John Mulaney. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? You know a suit on him? A little bit. I get what you're saying. I'm going to take it to the camera so the visual people can see. There you go. If you're watching this, you get to be probably part of one of the most horrendous things you've ever seen on this show. Let's see. Pull it back just a hair. All right, hold on. Right about there. Let it autofocus if it's going to. Anyway, you can see it. It doesn't look like Nathan Drake. It's very weird. And it's one of the few times I've bought a collector's edition and felt like I was really dumb for buying a collector's edition. The, the, the plastic. Makes it hard to autofocus. Yeah, I think it's reflecting enough light to make the But you know what's cool? This really cool box that it came in. So <laughs> that's where my 150 or whatever dollars that this was. Cardboard. Ended up going towards With really paper. interesting colored cardboard. Oh, I know one of them. Hagen Men from Far Cry doesn't look good at all. I don't think I've ever paid attention to that one. But that, yeah, there you go, guys. Uh, I'm actually kind of interested in this game just because I never played it last year. I mean, Bert, I've actually talked about it on the show before. Yeah, it's um, a cool game. The story's kind of just okay. Yeah. But the gameplay is really fun, and the systems that they build into letting you control your build is fantastic. It's really fun. Uh, and at $40, psh, Man, totally worth it. You know how I said before, like, we'll say something on the podcast, and then Sony will just decide to screw us over, and mm-hmm. then by denouncing something, read the next bit of news. 
Oh, uh, what, the Destiny 2 no, thing? I already did that one. I'm about to so, say, yeah, okay, PS Now lineup, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. <laughs> the PS Now lineup for June has hit, and users can download or stream Dishonored 2, NASCAR Heat 4, and Metro Exodus Now. For those interested, a free trial is available for seven days, and the Days of Play sale has the yearly subscription down from fifty nine ninety nine, which was already a pretty good deal, considering it used to be double, uh, down to forty one ninety nine. I was so. literally saying how like you can get... Uh, Dishonored 2 on Games Pass. I'll probably get it there because it wasn't on sale. Yep. Now it's just there for free. Now it's. But I canceled my PS now because I'm just not going to use that service oh, that often. I think that's fair. I use. I have been surprised with the with the cost aspect of it and how good it's been. Uh, but to be fair, so is Games Pass. Well, now now <laughs> with uh, the stuttering, that would just not work at all then for me. Like Ooh. yeah, imagine like the like any kind of modest input lag with stutter is just well, and you gotta think Dishonored two, you wouldn't be streaming realistically. Well, yeah. You download that, so yeah. a lot of the games that you'd play that were PS4, but I can download that on Xbox Games Pass, but I, and I already pay for that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. No, well, so why yeah throw another subscription in the mix that's not going to do anything better for you? Right. Yeah, I feel you. Uh, let's see, Last of Us two, or part two. Out later this month has revealed its bevy of accessibility options that put them squarely as an industry leader in this regard, which is not surprising. Naughty Dog tries to exist in the industry-leading capacity. Uh, The game will feature customizable sliders and settings to fine-tune the game for players of all types, down to the ability to play the game entirely with audio for blind or low-vision players, including text-to-speech systems with menus, and tools that make it possible to complete combat sections with no visuals at all. Other modes include high contrast mode that renders the world in a light gray color and turning friendly NPCs blue, while enemies become red again for low visual, like low, uh, <laughs> what can't see, low vision players. Uh, the ability to use the touchpad to pinch, zoom in and out to get a better look at items within the game, uh, in-game remappable buttons instead of having to focus on the system-level version of it, uh, and much more. And I like that. I, of course, love that the PlayStation 4 and I think even the Xbox at this point have system-wide remappable buttons, but that does make it weird when you want to use the, the UI or anything else and you have to go turn it off when you change games. If you just let me within the singular game say, I don't like the bow being on this button, I'm going to move it to this button, or yeah. I don't like the attack being on this button, I'm going to move it to here, then I don't have to worry about it looking or feeling weird when I go to play another game and I realize that I've remapped X to R2. Yeah, and this is every single one of these features that should be in every game, in my opinion. Which is great. I mean, really, this is really cool, and I like that they aren't just grouping them into things. They they went, there's actually a really in-depth thing here. Originally, they were talking to people, and they were going to try and group things in, and be like, oh, if you're a low-vision person, here's this. But they, you didn't have fine control within that. And people were like, no, we'd really prefer to be able to fine-tune exactly what we as the individual need. Uh, and they also spent a lot of time talking about that this was something that they started to implement at the beginning of development, because if not, they wouldn't have been able to do it. So it does go to show that a lot of work and resources go into these things. Um, and while I personally don't need any of them, it's really cool that they're there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I applaud Naughty Dog for these decisions because they're, like I said, for something you may not use, thousands and thousands of other people might be using it. It might rely on something like this. 
while we're on that, I don't want to go too far into it for a number of reasons. Uh, but while we're on The Last of Us 2, one of the other things that Naughty Dog made in a point to come out and say this week in particular is that they've been looking at the way people have been spreading some of the leaks and the stuff within the leaks. And they said that while some of the stuff that's there's nuggets of truth and everything that's been being spread, there are things that are being added and changed as they're being spread around so that you should not believe everything. I guarantee in regards you, to that. Yeah, I guarantee the one we've heard is there's one changed. there's one in particular I'm real curious about because they're gonna get changed. Yeah. I didn't I don't know if I I think I said that last week, right? Is that I got spoiled for the last yeah. of us. Um just, I, I, just I very little. But um I have the one that we're talking about from what I'm being told from someone else. And I'll tell you afterwards is it's part of it's true. Part of it's not bullshit. I'm just going to call. I, hey, I, hey I, I'm, I'm not I, saying I, I'm calling bullshit on that, but it's it'll I mean, 100 to be fair. We'll know in what 12 days. I can show you the scene 12 days. I can show you the scene <laughs> if you would like. Well, there's the, the, there's one aspect of the scene. If it's a dream sequence, I'm throwing the game down. No, away not that. Including something not that like either. That. Not that either. We'll talk about it more when we get done. But if you've been worried about the room, the leaks, or maybe even seen them, maybe maybe what you're seeing is not entirely true. I feel like also if you we'll have see. been leaked, don't set yourself up for expectations like that. Don't think that oh, oh yeah, I've seen is fake. Don't think it's because, yeah, yeah. And I'll applaud them for saying that. Like much of what's being shared is true. Yeah, and they're just saying that there are people out there with malevolent intentions that are trying to. Add extra stuff to be further like this is just ridiculous. Um, so take that information as you will. <laughs> but the last thing we're going to talk about today is probably the biggest thing that's happened in a little while, and it probably has the biggest chance of having big reper- uh, repercussions in the long run for PlayStation. So they were recently ordered to pay three point five million AU, which is essentially the you know the currency in Australia, in fines for quote making false and misleading representations on its website and in dealings with Australian consumers about their Australian consumer law rights. Uh, now, thankfully, uh, we have a couple of listeners who are from Australia who have discussed these things with us over the past few years and how Australia as a whole has got different consumer rights. Uh, each country has their own, but theirs are pretty stringent and pretty strict. So in this, Sony's uh, recent return policy that they implemented sometime last year uh, that says that once a game is downloaded or 14 days has passed since purchase, whichever one of those two comes first, you are no longer entitled to a refund. We applauded them for taking a step towards having a refund policy when this was first announced, but said that this is really a ridiculous one because it is. Uh, It's really dumb. You're telling me that if I download the game, but then it's still broken post-download that I can't get my Or if you never launched it. Yeah, or if you never launched it. There's a lot of problems that come into this, uh, but... This goes in direct contrast with those ACL rights of Australia, and precedent has been set as far back as 2014 for these types of situations with a case against Valve for very similar practices on their Steam platform. Now, something to note here, as brought up by one of our listeners, Josh uh, Ayers, one of our patrons as well, good friend, he actually brought up that one of the interesting things about this was that the case against Valve and Steam uh, back in 2014 it took about two years after the case settled and find them that Valve went from having to change their policy specifically in Australia to about two years after that, making it their worldwide policy, which is the Steam policy we know now, which I think is fantastic. And yeah. I think it's really close to Xbox's policy, 14, which is 14, 14 days, days of uh, if you've not uh, downloaded it in 14 days after you've purchased it, uh, or if you've downloaded it, but you've not played it for more than two hours, then you can return the game, not for just store credit, 
but actual full-on return to whatever your payment method was. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. That's what we need across the industry as a whole, I genuinely think. I know return policies for PlayStation and really games as a whole have been a big bring-up this generation because of a lot of broken games and sometimes just games that they wish were something else. Um I think that Anthem has existed in both of those columns, oddly enough. Anthem has existed in people wanting returns because they couldn't get it to work, while also simultaneously having people wanting to return it just because they didn't like the game <laughs> uh, and wanted it to be something else. Uh, so while I stand with the idea that you should be able to get a refund on a game because it doesn't work, I do think that there has to be a time limit. I, I, I think that that's what gets weird. If the game is not working, but you've been trying to make it work for more than two hours and that goes over your two hour play time, I think that there should oh. clearly be stipulations in there. And I think there are, I think when you talk to steam and you talk to Xbox, if they understand that the game is broken and having issues, I think they waive that two hour time. You don't limit. even talk to steam. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, Steam's is still automated, right? Yeah. You just literally, you, you request a refund. You say that this game isn't working. It has like a box that you can just type something into, and then you're done. Okay. And then cool. like you wait. Like I bought. Um, and Republic. they can manually review it if they please. Yeah, yeah, I bought Republic Commando. Like it does not run well on PCs at all, um, and it does the same thing Witcher One does, which is I also got a refund for that game too, um, where the frame rate is unlocked and you cannot lock it. Yeah. So if you so obviously playing a game that old and, and Republic Commando, you're going to get screen tearing because you're going to be playing at like five thousand frames per second. So you're just going to get constant <laughs> screen tearing. I was probably getting like 200 frames in those games, and either you couldn't turn VSync on, you couldn't do anything about it. I'm sure you could have maybe went into the files of the game and set the frames or something. I'm not worried about all that. So, Too much work, yeah. Um, yeah, I just uh, checkmarked it. Like Within like an hour or two, I got an email saying, your refund has been approved, and then it was back in my PayPal. That's awesome. See, that's definitely where I stand on this. I don't agree that just because you buy a game and you've played it for more than two hours. Now, two hours is weird. I understand that sometimes it's hard to judge a game completely within two hours, but I think you should know if the game is just something that you're 100% not into if two within hours two is, hours. If two hours is good enough to figure around, uh, figure with around your PC settings to see if that game is, if it's the game or your PC, it's enough for you to play a game and know whether or not it's broken. Exactly. I, I, or whether or not you, because what I like about Steam's policy is that you can, ju- it doesn't matter. As long as you didn't play for more than two hours, you can just say, I didn't like the game. Yeah. And yeah. they'll be like, cool, I, I re- fine. You could have downloaded it and I regret this purchase and just, yeah. That's it. Now, and see, the thing is, is I think people want to push this too far. I think where Steam and Xbox are is perfect. I think the people who are wanting to push it and say that you... I've seen plenty of people say that, you know, if you play a game for five hours and that's how long it took for you to know for sure whether you were into the game or not, that should not be grounds for you to go, well, I want my money back. You've played too long. You're too far in. If you cannot key on whether or not you're feeling iffy about a game within the first two hours, at least to the extent of where you want to take the chance of just not playing it and going ahead and getting your refund. Yeah. Then if you, if it took you five hours to decide that you should have to sit with that decision. Yeah. I mean, I know that, I mean, I know that sucks in the, in the basic of like what you spent money on something you weren't enjoying. Well, hold on. Let me cut you off there because my thing is, is that anytime you purchase something, it, it needs to be a conscious decision that you per, you, you're purchasing it. Oh, that yeah, you may sure. be stuck with this yeah. purchase. If you go to Best Buy and you buy a TV that you know the quality may not be the best on it, but you wait three weeks to take it back, they're not going to care. They're going to say, "Well, you're stuck with that TV. We can change it for the same TV for you if you want or whatever." Mm-hmm. But if you're past that return policy, you're done. Like you, you have to make a conscious and smart decision when you purchase items. Yeah, if you, uh, if you get home with the TV and within the first two days you're like, "Something's just kind of off about this. I'd yeah. rather take it back, get a little bit better." TV, yeah, you can totally money, do it. Do it. 
and they'll let and you. you should be able to do that with video games you should yeah. be able to if i downloaded dark souls one and i was like oh, i don't really like this game and i was like an hour half an hour into it easy peasy refund it should be based off a download which i think is ridiculous Again, very crazy policy from PlayStation. So one of the things we might end up seeing in the coming months or maybe the coming years, depending on how quick PlayStation is with it, is a change of their policy across the board. And now it's it's interesting because Josh has mentioned this plenty of times throughout the past few months when stuff have come up. He's saying, well, you know, Australians' rights, Australia's rights say that they have to give you refunds for this, this, and this. because and America should have those same rights. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe, but we don't. Necessarily, I don't know what ours are. We do have some. Well, we have, like, I just don't know what ours are. Stuff like that, too. Yeah, are. So with that, regardless, I think it just makes more sense to PlayStation to make a more sensible refund policy um, that exists probably well within a universal, works with everyone's return laws. I think that's the best way to do it, is if you know oh, what your God, consumer right. rights are across the board, if you have a policy, and I'd imagine with Steams and Xboxes being the way they are, most people's policies are going to be within 14 days and two hours of play you're going to be fine. And I think that's fair. So I hope that that's a big thing that we see from PlayStation with next gen is that. And then going back to, like I talked about, I'd love to see backwards compatibility, get a uh, system level ability to go in. I think that there's a lot of things PlayStation can do that. I don't think are, are, I think this refund thing is necessary. It is. Uh, The backwards compatibility thing is not necessarily, but I'd love to see it. I think that uh, as, we go forward the future is looking more and more digital for more and more people mm-hmm. it, it's it's necessary which leads us to one other thing and i think i want to, i want this to be the community's take okay uh it's something that playstation has flirted with and that's why i find it so interesting that their refund policy is as dated as it is playstation probably five or six years ago towards the beginning of the playstation 4 they sent out a uh survey to users and one of the survey questions was would you be interested in trading your digital licenses in for a certain amount of cash uh, or a certain amount of store credit? Yeah, the store, store. do store credit because that's more, that's more yeah. reliable. So uh, with that, essentially what you would do is Sony was looking if people would want to, say, buy Dark Souls 2, play it for three years all the time, and then you go, you know what? I just don't see myself ever playing this again. Here's $7 store credit for trading it in. Exactly. Now, you don't get that license anymore. Well, you could, but you have to buy the game at, at, exactly. at retail price. Yes, you have to rebuy it, whatever the price it was. It would automatically know you from any sales and anything. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be fair. Do you think that'd be fair? Because that's the community's take. Yeah. Don't forget, everybody. You can find us across all podcast services, and if you find one we're not on, let us know. We'll get on it. You find us on YouTube every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Central Time. And if you love the show, give us a like. If you don't like the show, give us a dislike. That's cool, too. Um, and if you enjoy us enough, let your friends know about us and have them check us out and give us some reviews on any website that you come across that allow you to do so. It really yep. helps out with our confidence. As we are getting older and older, our PPs aren't working, and um, our confidence <laughs> is failing. So we have a handful of amazing patrons that, uh, that love what we do, and we love them for that, and they are all cool people. I'm going to let Brett take it off and lead us with I our- will, but one thing to say that I think we've gotten a little bit I, – I, we, we really have nailed in on the, end, the ending for the most part. But if you want to be part of the community's take or any of our community uh, things, too, yeah. head over to Twitter. Our Twitter is Triangle uh, SQRD. Uh, if you want to find us on Facebook, we're in a group called Triangle Square, the PlayStation Podcast. Uh, we post over there for the community's take as well. Or you can hit into our Discord, which we always have linked in the description below, and you can join the discussions that we have day in and day out, all the way from gaming to what movies and music you like. 
down to being part of the community stake section that we have a dedicated section for. So you, if you want to find us across all of those, you can. But of course, lastly, we do love to thank our patrons for allowing us to do this without having to dip into our pockets. Thank you so much and your continued support of the show. Uh, for everybody wondering, yes, your cases will be coming very soon. Uh, that is something I plan on getting done literally tomorrow. So I will be reaching out to those of you that that is pertinent to very soon and letting you know that we're good to go and we're about to ship. Uh, but with that said, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you. Thanks to our patrons, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green. My name is Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarude, Funk Turkey, Danny Villiobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popst, Kevin Bacon Bits, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonerd, Travis Below, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanland, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, and Elchbeam. If you'd like to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash nartech. Thank you.